The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. While we have breath, we shall remember the beauty and great goodness in the great hymns of Charles Wesley, who wrote, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, and truth and love let all men see. In those who up to thee we give, thine, holy thine, to die and live. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the Revelation of St. John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Grace to you and peace who it, from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us say responsively verses from Psalm 132 with the Antiphon. David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I shall teach them, their sons also forevermore shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will reside, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its provisions. I will satisfy its poor with bread. Its priests I will clothe with salvation, and its faithful will shout for joy. There I will cause a horn to sprout up for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. His enemies I will clothe with disgrace, but on him his crown will gleam.
And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 18, verses 33 to 37. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. As you were saying. Yes, Dean Hill, as I was saying, about two months ago when we last presented uh, a cantata in our box series, and this broadcasting for our local worship service, there is a rare beauty in Bach. My friend, Dr. Jarrett, we did determine in dialogue, you and I, on Bach Sundays this year to affirm the good news of Christ by entering more deeply into the beauty of Bach. Word and music together, music and word, the gospel sung. I guess you could say we are a sort of religious click and clack. <laughs> well, maybe clink and clunk. But, uh... <laughs> maybe so. Not every 19-year-old, nor even every 91-year-old, hears clearly at the first hearing the beauty in Bach. Like all things lasting and good, there is some learning, effort, extension, growth, change, challenge involved. True enough, but Pilate asks, what is truth in our gospel lesson of the day? And the poet answers, truth is beauty, and beauty is truth. 
true enough indeed. Though not all of the scriptures are immediately transparent to us, or at least to me, they are nevertheless very beautiful. Quite so they are. Today's Christ the King readings are just so, opaque and lovely. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even uprooted out of its ancient apocalyptic ground, uprooted from the primitive hope of the earliest church, there is a soaring beauty to such a triumphant hope at the call of the last trumpet. Beauty heralds hope. And now you've brought us to our greatest musical preacher, Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Did I? I was merely interpreting a verse from the Revelation. Yeah, but some of our best accomplishments, Dean Hill, even though they're by accident, uh, happen in, in the midst of sermons. This is ruefully so, truthfully so, Dr. Jarrett. Can you guide us for a moment into the beauty of this Bach cantata? For what shall we listen in the 30 minutes to follow? It's my pleasure. First, it's important to note that Bach originally wrote this cantata for Advent. When he went to Leipzig, however, there was no music during the two penitential seasons, Advent and Lent. So he reworked this cantata for a late Sunday after Trinity, close to Christ the King, the day which we celebrate today. With its end of times and apocalyptic subject, it is ideally suited for this day, Christ the King. This is the Sunday which both celebrates the fruition of Christ's time on earth. It envisions him in full majesty, seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And it looks toward the Advent message of waiting for Christ to come, specifically for the moment when he will come again to judge the quick and the dead and gather up the believers for eternal life. That ultimate moment of grace and beauty an apotheosis of redemption, an eschatological beauty. For us and for Bach, this highly anticipated moment of ultimate grace, heralded by the last trumpet today played by Eric Berlin, is both terrific and ecstatically joyous. You might even say rapturous. In today's cantata, you will hear a wide range of musico-psychological emotion as we, the obdurate sinner, prepares as we prepare to meet Christ and greet him on the day of judgment. Our anxiety is that we will not be prepared, that we will fall short. We might not pass muster. Yet at the height of our anxiety, we remind ourselves that it's Jesus who has saved us and that it's through his grace that we can approach the heart of God and attain that final redemption. It is the sinner's struggle that we play out over the movements of today's cantata. So, here are a few oral listening posts or guideposts uh, for your hearing today. In the opening chorus, Vachet, Betet, Betet, Vachet, which means watch, pray, pray, watch, notice how he sets these two imperatives. Vachet is a little more rhetorical. Betet is a little more pleading. It's a little more urging. It juxtaposes this duality of our tension. In the little second movement, which Graham sings, listen for the word Freude or joy. Listen how it's comforting. Everything moves quickly, and when he gets to Freude, we pause for a moment, and there's a moment of musical grace. In the alto aria today, sung by Emily Marvash, listen for the anxiety. There's a tension that Bach develops in this, which expresses the anxiety of our anticipating this day. In the soprano aria, sung by Brenna Wells today, that anxiety that we heard in the alto aria is now tinged with a little bit of spite. The world, everything of the world is out to get us deceptive 
It's, it urges our anxiety with a tinge of spite. And listen to how Bach writes a sort of jagged violin part to depict that struggle. Finally, listen for the thrill of the Revelation story in the bass's final movements, today sung by Graham. As the old world falls away in some of Bach's best dramatic music, the believer is almost blissfully unaware, transfixed and transfigured on and by the image of the heart of Christ and our ultimate redemption. Scott, thank you so much. Let me ask you, when you teach your students about music, is there a moral sense that arises within the beauty? I think that depends on what you mean. The music, the choral beauty, just is. It's of itself and has no need for a defense. Like truth, truth needs no defense. Falsehood has none. There's also a sense of responsibility anytime any of us can engage or is entrusted with recreating beautiful art. It can be, like the rapture, at once thrilling, daunting, but utterly exhilarating. In the long run. In the very long run. But you were the one who brought up eschatology. Uh, true enough, true enough, and beautiful as well. When you see our students, Dean Hill, when you see the undergraduates on Commonwealth Avenue, when you see them come into the chapel each Sunday, what is it you wish for them when they arrive? Oh, many, so many things, numberless, unnameable. But today, come this Sunday, I covet for them and all simply beauty. Beauty reminds us of grace. Beauty recalls our high humanity. Beauty lifts us up from the curb and places us in the clouds. Beauty dresses us up in the finery for which we were meant, for which our grandparents prayed and our parents paid. Beauty takes the world and makes it clean again, holy, not innocent, to be sure, but clean again. Beauty, today Bach, tomorrow Monet, next week Chekhov. Beauty saves us from our own worst selves and returns us to the road of our own best selves. I sense that when I come in Marsh Chapel, there's a silence about the space, the architecture, the beauty of the windows, but also the people who make Marsh Chapel, Marsh Chapel, the people who make this the community that it is, colleagues, choristers, parishioners, students alike. As you were saying, as we prepared the sermon, Scott, the history of our school includes many who sought beauty in truth and truth in beauty. Erezim Kohak, a philosopher right here at Boston University from the last generation, said, humans can become wholly absorbed in the preoccupations of time. There, there can be humans who become blind to goodness, to truth, to beauty, who drink wine without pausing to cherish it, who pluck flowers without pausing to give thanks, who accept joy and grief as all in a day's work, to be, to be enjoyed or managed without ever seeing the presence of eternity in them. But that is not the point. What is crucial is that human beings, whether they, whether we do so or not, or not are capable of encountering a moment as the miracle of eternity ingressing into time. That, rather than the ability to fashion tools, stands out as the distinctive human calling. Bach and beauty. Beauty and Bach. Bach and beauty.
We may not sing a cantata every Sunday, but every time you lift the hymnal, it's a cantata of sorts. Every time our congregation stands to sing these four parts of harmony, we approach that same beauty. Further, that harmony, that experienced harmony out of difference, a unity and diversity, out of hymn, of soprano and alto, a tenor and a bass, that harmony in itself is a saving reminder, a remembered salvation. Difference blends and often blends well. When we forget, when our voices and our bones forget the experience of beauty in four parts, in choral harmony, we miss something crucial, saving, and essential for our common life. In other words, the future, or at least some of the future, depends on good four-voice hymn singing? Well, to be sure, it's an act of community and an act of common ground. A tenor part alone, though beautiful in and of itself, achieves its fuller beauty in context, the full and diverse four-part texture. You know, friends give our own true selves back to us as you have done with us today, Dr. Jarrett. Here is what I mean. You have helped me understand something, something deep and good. Last summer, I went around preaching in various places, as you know. One day, I went to speak at a big conference. There were about a 1,000 people gathered in a large hotel room for worship and communion. There was music of a sort, some instruments, a praise group, a music leader with words thrown up on a screen behind. All sang pretty well together, following the screen and one melody line. Something, though, was deeply radically missing. The sermon came and the sermon went, and we began the ritual for Eucharist. The one-line singing continued, just words on the screen, no notes. Then, perhaps by accident, the music leader paused and played the melody for a familiar hymn, Let Us Break Bread Together. All of a sudden, the room lit up. The colorblind saw red and blue, the deaf heard. I mean, the conference members knew by memory the four-part harmony of the hymn. They knew the soprano, alto, tenor, and bass lines by heart, and they sang them unrehearsed together. It was an apocalyptic moment, a joyful moment, a beautiful moment, an inbreaking of eternity into time moment. We never know could happen again this morning, right here today. Bach and beauty, truth and beauty, harmony and beauty. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. Let us then together rise and harmonically sing as one.
of the Lord be always with you. My name is Elizabeth Fomby. I'm the Director of Hospitality here at Marsh Chapel. I'd like to welcome you all here today and also thank the choir for their wonderful musical offering. First of all, um, I'd like to let you know about the red pads that are at the end of each pew towards the center aisle. If you would take just a few moments to fill those out so that people like myself can get to know your names better, but also this is an opportunity for you to get to know the names of the folks who are seated next to you. So if you take the time to just fill that out, pass it to uh, the person next to you, and then perhaps once it gets to the end of the aisle, pass it back to where it came from. Secondly, we have a women's gathering for all of the women of Marsh Chapel. They are all welcome to come to Jan Hill's residence for an informal gathering after the service today. And that's going to take place at 96 Bay State Road, Apartment 10. We'd love to have you join us for that. If you haven't found a place for Thanksgiving meal or people to celebrate Thanksgiving with, you might consider coming to Marsh Chapel on Thursday. From the hours of 1 to 4, um, some of our ministry associates are going to be hosting a Thanksgiving meal. And we would love to have you come if you can. Also, if you have the means, we would love to accept food if you can. <laughs> um, if you're interested in learning more, I would contact Micah Christian who is out here somewhere, and also Kelly Drescher, who's over here. Please contact him after the service. Also, Micah's email address, if you'd like more information, is micah, M-I-C-A-H-6-8 at bu.edu. You can also check out the chapel website for more information. And lastly, Lessons and Carols, if you haven't already put it in your calendar, is going to take place Friday, December 11th at 6 p.m., we're going to have the Marsh Chapel Choir leading the service. We're going to have guest choirs also there. The service will be repeated in a slightly different format on Sunday, December 13th, during the normal interdenominational service. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
season of thanksgiving, we give you thanks for these gifts. For the transformation of our hearts, may you use these gifts for the transformation of the world around us. In the name of Jesus.
Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.